I'm Denise Bailey. And I'm Dr. Monica Parker. And you're listening to My Parents Are Now My Kids, a medical doctor's view and daughter's journey through memory loss and other dementias. As a doctor, I'll help you navigate through the often confusing, confounding, and frequently frustrating technical aspects of dementia. And as a daughter, I'll share with you some things I've experienced caring for and loving my parents who both struggled with these disorders. We want you to have hope and to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll tell you that sometimes that light is coming straight at you and you just have to get out of the way. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Monica. Hello, Denise. Well, as we continue to social distance, we are episode number two of our social distancing, but I would like to start this episode today off with a little story before I tell our listeners what we're talking about. About two years ago, actually three years ago now, two years before my father passed away, um, I was at work and I got a phone call from the caregiver saying, your father's acting very, very strange. He was um, almost in a stupor. He was just staring ahead and not speaking. So they decided, and we all decided collectively to send him to the emergency room. They did. Took him to the emergency room. He checked out physically fine. Uh, took all lab work and nothing was wrong. But they decided to admit him because he was just not speaking. Um, after one day in the hospital, he started speaking, but it was gibberish. He was out of his head. He was hallucinating. He was attacking people. He was attacking me. He didn't know who I was. He was just uncontrollable. Mm -hmm. Could that have been delirium? Yes. Um, older adults, particularly older adults who are um, have chronic, significant chronic conditions, do develop delirium. You know, we used to say that delirium was one of those things that was an acute, uh, how do we describe it, acute state of confusion. Um, so anytime somebody's normal and then all of a sudden they start speaking gibberish as you described, the first thing that should you should think about, aside from strokes and things like that, you do think of delirium, okay? Delirium is acute generally. Um, and it, 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 you alter, you vary from being normal, having what looks like normal functioning to extreme confusion, um, and, um, irritability might be a better word to use. It can be caused by not just one thing, but more than one thing, but in general, it results from some kind of medical abnormality, um, you know, you may have a fever, you may be dehydrated, you may have medications that are interacting badly with each other and causing changes in how you think. Having a regular bowel movement and elimination, chronic constipation can result in delirium as well. So maintaining hydration, making sure that people are able to eliminate is also very, very important to forestalling and preventing uh, delirium. So this altered mental status, acute confusion, sundowning, any of those sorts of things, the gibberish that you're describing and the irritability may all be associated with delirium. It is, it can be an acute syndrome 
but it can also be a long-lasting syndrome, meaning that some people who have delirium, once you correct what's causing it, the delirium may last for hours, days, months, even years. Let me say this. Um, that fits perfectly into the scenario with my father. We went into the emergency room. Obviously, they were stumped because, like I said, he checked out physically fine. Um, and after a day, all of the confusion and all of that started. So they were asking me, and they were checking for infection. They couldn't find any. Uh, dehydration, he wasn't dehydrated at the time. They checked his kidney, liver, none of that. He didn't have any head trauma. He didn't have a brain tumor. But the drug interaction, that was the one thing they mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. landed on. So I had to, you know, for those of our listeners who may be in the same um, position, you got to know what your loved one is taking, all the medications. So I was able to, you know, describe what he was taking, the dosages and the, you know, the amount. And the key thing that they asked me, they said, are any of these medications new? And ironically, yes. one, one was relatively new. Within the last three to six months was a new medication, ironically, for his dementia. And I'll mention it. It was called Namzeric. And um, that was what they, I guess, whittled down to figure out that that medication just sent him over the edge. So once they got that out of his system, he started to get better. Um, so look for drug interactions or of a new drug so, that may not have been uh, presented to your loved one. Okay. On, on that note, though, you know, you said they gave him um, a new medication to kind of manage his uh, dementia. One of the risk factors for developing delirium is cognitive um, confusion. So what are some of the risk factors for getting a delirium, whether it's medication induced or um, metabolically induced? So if you're an alcoholic, chronic alcoholics, dehydration is a big factor. That's why we always stress hydration in older adults, people who are suffering from chronic pain, not because the, they may be taking medication, but chronic pain can create delirium. Hmm. Um, and who has a chronic history of lung disease, liver disease, kidney, heart, or brain disorders, and anybody who's undergoing a terminal, suffering from a terminal illness. People generally over the age of 65, males more likely than females, um, but anybody suffering from dementia, depression, or maybe victims of elder abuse. So let me kind of go back over those risk factors for delirium. Medications, yes, but somebody who has chronic medical conditions like, like alcoholism, chronic pain, uh, chronic diseases of liver, kidney, heart, brain disease like dementia, Alzheimer's, lung disease, anybody with a terminal illness, certainly people over the age of 65, and males. And if you suffer from dementia, depression, or any of the things that I've just talked about, when somebody suddenly becomes confused, delirium is something that one should think about. And when you mentioned taking a medical history or being clear about what your relative's medications are, you said a new medication was added. But we do have people who do develop uh, kind of like medication intolerance to medications they've been taking for a long period of time and taking them correctly. 
one of the medications that's good for causing um, a type of medication delirium is one that's used in heart disease, and that's digoxin. Um, may, some people may recognize that by, drug by something called digitalis. Mm. But cardiac medicines prescribed and taken correctly may be something that triggers a chemical delirium in, in older adults. Well, let me ask you this. Does delirium make dementia worse? Oh, God, yes. Okay, you have somebody who's already got um, an inability to process information and stimuli. And then on top of that, you add this state of delirium, which makes it particularly more difficult because the individual is, is, is confused and more distracted because he or she is aware that something is wrong. And so they may become belligerent. Um, they may do a lot of things. People who develop, let's say, a hyperactive de delirium where they're restless, they're speaking loudly, they're more irritable, they may become more combative, they may not be able to sit still, they may wander, um, they get angry. Um, any of those sorts of things can happen. And it makes, what makes the delirium, how delirium makes dementia worse is that person may not be able to be managed effectively at home if they become belligerent if they think that you the daughter is like a hairy monster coming toward them they may be reacting in a violent way unable to recognize that you're a human being and not a monster and they may be you know um violent towards you so in those settings, uh, sometimes, you know, uh, particularly if they're in like a hospital or a nursing facility, somebody may, prescribed, um, may prescribe a medication like an antipsychotic to kind of calm them down or chemically restrain them. In general, we generally don't like to treat older adults with delirium with the antipsychotic medicines, the Haldol, the Abilifies and things like that, because it has a tendency to make their um, symptoms worse in different ways. But um, being a realist, we do know that people who live in facilities uh, or residential communities are more likely to be suffering from delirium and because their behavior is changing and because they are becoming difficult to manage, the people who are managing them will more frequently call the doctor and ask for medicines to try to calm them. They may not be aware of something else going on. They just know that this person is not complying with the program, making it difficult for us to manage patients here. Give me a shot to bring them down. Give well, me a pill to bring them down. Interesting that you say that because that's what happened to my dad. You know, thankfully it was a good outcome because um, he was in the hospital for about a week and they did everything. They were really kind and, and physical therapy helped and, you know, getting him up and walking him up and down the hallway of the hospital started to sort of calm him down. Um, and then he began to recognize me. So they were able to send him to a rehab facility for about 30 days and he had a relapse. And unfortunately, I hope this does not happen to any other families, but unfortunately, the, at the facility, the rehab facility, they didn't know that he wasn't supposed to take Namzeric, so they started giving him the same medication all over again. So he relapsed and they had to give him the chemical um, restraint and it calmed him down after a few weeks and he was able to come home. So it was a good outcome, but I'll say this to our listeners, keep on 
um, the physicians and make sure that they are taking away the medication if it is a medication that caused the delirium. Make sure that it's not re-entered into um, their list of medications. When people transfer between facilities, you go from a hospital to a rehab facility or you go from a hospital to home, it's very important that a list of medications you, when you go from one facility to another, you should have a list of medications that that patient is going to be on. And you as a family member really do need to look at that list. And sometimes when they're transferred, you don't know what they're on. But if your father had a reaction to Namzaric, it should have been blazed across his chart, allergic reaction or medication reaction to whatever and that needed to be bolded somewhere on his medical chart such that when he was transitioned to the next facility, they wouldn't have just kept him on that medicine. So you as family members, because you're the advocate for your person with dementia, need to be very vigilant and to monitor those medication lists. And if somebody has a reaction, it's an allergic reaction, you know, however you want to record it, we need to make sure that that person never gets that medicine again. And the only way that you're going to be sure about that is to make sure doctors and nurses kind of talk about what medicine somebody's on when they're transferring. But if that change, if that mark to the chart or that medication discontinuance for this reason hasn't been carried through, you as family members are also responsible for making sure that that, that that takes place. So there should be what they call me- medical reconciliation. Mm-hmm. So, so when you transition, if I'm a nurse at the hospital and I am transferring my patient to a residential facility or rehab center, I talk to the nurse who's accepting my patient and say, my patient is on medication one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever. And that nurse who's receiving that patient says, you're telling me that this patient is on this, 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 these seven medications. And you agree that that's accurate or that's not accurate. In addition to the medications that they're on, there should be a list of medications that the person is allergic to or to which he or she has had a reaction and the reason for why they were hospitalized. So transfer orders and medication reconciliation goes from facility to facility, and you as a family member should know what your relatives are leaving the hospital on or leaving the doctor's office on, and if you don't understand or recognize a medication, you need to ask the provider what that is. Um, Let me ask you this. Can delirium cause brain damage? uh, Yes and no. I think a prolonged and chronic and unrelenting delirium is regarded as permanent. The longer a delirium stage lasts, the less likely it is to recover and come out of it. Can you recover from delirium like my father did? Is that normal? Well, because delirium is usually caused by a reversible medical condition, yes. If you reverse what led to the delirium in the first place, you will recover. In your father's case, they removed the medication that he was taking that caused the delirium. If you are delirious because you have a urinary tract infection, 
and you're not drinking and you're not eating, so you have not only an infection and you're dehydrated, once we fix the infection and we fix the um, dehydration, your mental status should clear up. But the longer somebody stays in a state of delirium, and keep in mind that what is causing the delirium has to be addressed. So the longer you are exposed to whatever that causative agent is, the more likely you are to have chronic or long-term consequences. Okay. So um, finally, if, you know, when your loved one recovers from delirium um, and they come home, um, but you're still cautious, you know, about a relapse, I'm assuming they could relapse, anyone could relapse on, you know, in any condition at any time. But what can the caregiver at home do if they see the person they're caring for go into a state of delirium? I think the thing that you're, that is most important, and we've said this before, it's not always medications that need to be given to people to control their behavior and their activities. Getting back to what we said in an earlier program, establishing schedules, establishing routines, getting them in familiar surroundings with familiar people, keeping people who may have become ill on a schedule, getting them proper hydration, proper nutrition, getting them exercise or giving them mobility, keeping them up and around is a way that you keep people from having um, prolonged or excessive delirium. It kind of brings them back into the normal reorientation activities, okay? Walking down the hall. This is your room, mom. This is my room. This is what we're going to do. Reorienting people. Um, uh, not giving them a whole lot of new people and new things to get used to. So you'll find that a lot of people who enter the intensive care unit in a hospital get very confused, very belligerent, partly because we have lights and noise on all the time. But the other thing is that people are not familiar to them and they're frightening. You know, putting clocks up that they can read, seeing a calendar that has the date to help reorient people into what their reality is. So as caregivers and caretakers, our job to prevent delirium is to establish their routine, get them back into their routine, keep few but familiar people around them, try to use the same caregivers over and over, um, familiar family members, uh, but you don't overwhelm them. Okay, good advice. Well, Dr. Monica, I think we had a good conversation today, and especially during this coronavirus pandemic, we are around our loved ones probably a lot more often if we're fortunate and blessed enough to have them with us. So anything like this, if they have a, a delirium episode, at least we know that in many cases it's reversible and in most cases we can handle it. Thank you very much for our talk today. Bye, Dr. Monica. Bye, Denise.